Oh man, I am so excited because today is week two of our fall message series on the book of Galatians. And we talked last week about how this book, this letter was written by the Apostle Paul uh, to multiple churches in the region of Galatia. And this would be uh, modern day Turkey if you look at a map. And really Galatians is a powerful presentation of the gospel. It's a gospel reminder for the church. Uh, And we have to remember, Paul helped plant uh, all of these churches. He was a part of that planting process. And he did that through the preaching of the true gospel of Christ. Um, But after Paul left the area, um, we learn uh, throughout this letter that false teachers had made their way into the churches. And they brought with them a false gospel. They were teaching that you had to pair other things with Christ's work on the cross for salvation. See, Paul taught in Galatians, as well as throughout the rest of the New Testament, um, that we are saved by God's grace through faith. These false teachers came into the local church, and they were insisting that you had to be uh, circumcised, as well as keep the hundreds of man-made laws and regulations to be saved. This was nothing more than legalism in the church. We talked last week about how we, we see some of that today. In, in the churches uh, across America, maybe if you're like me, you went home and you did a little bit of self-evaluation. God, is there any of that in my life right now? Uh, these, these false teachers were teaching a works-based salvation that you could earn your way into a relationship with Jesus, that you could earn your way into God's favor. And Paul teaches, really, that, that Jesus plus anything else for salvation is a false gospel. So we were encouraged last week with some very important truths. Number one, we were reminded about what the gospel really is. And I shared more of a a human definition, something that is easy for us to understand. And then we went to God's word just to see what God's word says about the gospel. But that one sentence that I gave you last week is this, that the gospel is the good news that God has entered the world in Jesus Christ to achieve a salvation that we could not achieve on our own. So we were reminded last week about the gospel, and it really is that recentering, that refocusing for the church, that we should be focused on the right things. We also talked last week about how we should test everything that we hear against God's word. So when I preach a sermon on Sunday, test it against God's word. When you hear a truth claim that's made in the evening news, go to God's word, see if that's right. When you're reading a book or having a conversation with a friend, test what you hear against God's word. These Galatians um, didn't do that at this time. And then we finally talked about how Paul's uh, introduction, his instruction of this letter is what really sets the tone for the rest of Galatians. And here we learn that the gospel is what frees us to live our lives for Jesus. And we're going to talk about what that means throughout this series, how we've been set free to live free. Now, if you currently have young children, just a show of hands across the room, if you're currently in that stage of life, you're raising young kids at home, all right? Or maybe you feel like your kids are still young. You, still, you feel like you're still raising young kids, all right? If, you, if you're raising young kids at home, or if you've spent any amount of time around young kids, uh, you know that there's, there's one question, uh, maybe more than one, but really one question that kids love to ask, and that's the question. It's one word, Why? Why? They love to ask why. They do this all the time. So right now, Faith and I hear this question a lot from our six-year-old son, Weston. So I'll, I'll say something, or Faith will say something like, Weston, you need to clean your room. And guess what he says? Why? 
Weston, you need to put your shoes where they go. Why? Weston, don't run down the hall. You're going to run into someone. You're going to hurt one of your brothers. Why? He, he, he loves to respond with why. And really, it doesn't matter what we ask him to do. Half the time, at least, he's going to respond with this simple question. Why? Now, I'm not going to lie this morning. This is extremely frustrating. <laughs> this is extremely annoying when I hear this. But when I take a step back, all right, I don't respond in anger. When I take a step back and I really think about why he's asking this question, I'm reminded it's, it's usually because he really wants to know the reason behind whatever it is that we're asking him to do. See, right now, Weston, uh, being a six-year-old, he's trying to figure out the world around him. He's trying to figure out the world around him. And often the best question to ask is why? Even as adults, we frequently ask this question. We, we ask the question, why? Even if it's not out loud and in front of a hundred other people. Okay, we, we ask this question. You see, in life, there are so many things that happen around us, happen to us, that just don't make a lot of sense. And we ask the question, why? There, there are moments when we don't know the why but behind whatever it is that's going on. But I want to remind us this morning that there's one thing that we can know the why behind. In the midst of all the confusion, all the things that happen to us and around us, individually, within our families, there's one thing that we can be assured of and we can know the reason for, and that is the why behind our salvation and the why behind our purpose in life. See, the Apostle Paul teaches that if you are in Christ, if you've believed in Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have not been saved solely for your own benefit, but also... I think this is the most important thing for God's glory, as well as for the benefit of others who have not yet heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Paul reminds us about something that is, is so profound, and he helps us answer this question, why, behind our salvation and behind our purpose in life. See, God's word reminds us that in Christ, if you know Jesus, you have been set apart and called by God to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to those who have never heard it before. And, and that's what today's message is really going to be about, how God has a plan and a purpose for our lives and how we can be encouraged today. We can be reminded and, and challenged to embrace this plan in our lives, to live it out every single day. And as we're going to discover in today's text, the Apostle Paul says, if we come to faith in Jesus, then we're called to proclaim to the world who Jesus is, and what he's done for us. We're called to be ambassadors for Jesus, taking this message of reconciliation, this message of, of hope to a hurting and dying world. So I'd like for us to bow our heads this morning. We're going to pray together, and then we're going to go right into the text today. Father, we, we thank you once again for your word. And I'm just going to echo what was shared this morning, God. We're thankful that we're able to come together during this time of the week, uh, to break bread with one another, to, to sing, to worship, to pray with one another, uh, to bear burdens with one another. You know, there's so many people here this morning that not everybody showed up in the best mood, having the best week. Uh, there are people here this morning that are hurting. And as a church, I, I, my prayer is that we would be reminded today how we can walk alongside one another and care for one another. Lord, we thank you for this time, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we looked at Galatians chapter 1, 
uh, verses 1 through 10. And it's not going to be this way every single week for this series, but today we're going to pick up right where we left off. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. And today we're going to look at verses 11 through 21. Uh, Now, if you're a guest with us today, we also have Bibles in the backs of the seat, and those should be all over the room. And we're also going to have the text up on the screen today. So Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 11, this is what we read. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened... I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then, three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very message he tried to destroy. And then listen to this last verse, and they praised God because of me. If you're taking notes this morning, the first point that I want to talk about today is this, that God can forgive our past. God can forgive our past. See, Paul is writing to multiple churches in Galatia who had gotten off track. Remember, they had let this false teaching into the church. They were headed into the wrong direction. And as the apostle Paul is writing, it sounds like he's got his life in order. It sounds that way. But we have to remember that Paul's life was not always this way. Paul was not always the guy who had so much zeal, so much gratitude and excitement for Jesus and for the gospel. At one time, Paul lived a very different life. We're reminded about that life in verses 13 and 14 of uh, the first chapter in Galatians. What we read today, it says, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion. Paul's talking about his own life. He's giving a, a history. He's kind of summing it up for them. How I violently persecuted God's church. He said, I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. See, Paul's reputation for persecuting the church had made its rounds. People knew about who this this Paul was. At one time, he valued tradition and religion above all else. He, He valued tradition and religion above all else. And his mission in life, his sole purpose in life, was to violently persecute the church. Verse 13 tells us that he actually did his best to destroy the church. That was Paul's mission. I I love this. If you look back to the book of Acts, um, we actually learn about Paul in the book of Acts as well. And if you go to Acts chapter 8, verse 1, 
um, we're reminded that Paul was actually present for the very first Christian martyr. So this is the first time that a follower of Jesus is being killed, persecuted for their faith that we know of, that's recorded for us. So Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, let's read this together. It says, Saul, who's also Paul, was one of the witnesses. And he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, these aren't the only texts that we have and that fill us in and give us a picture about what Paul's life was like before he met Jesus. If you go to Acts chapter 9 or Acts chapter 22 or even Acts chapter 26, we're actually given a vivid account of these early years and we're given this account straight from Paul's own lips. It's not someone else speaking uh, about Paul's life. It's, it's Paul's words recorded for us. So Paul's telling us about who he was. We learn that Paul consented to the murder of Christians. He set out to the, destroy the church. And Paul actually broke up families and put Christian parents in prison. Paul was a bad dude. He was hostile towards Christ. He was hostile towards the church. But when I'm reminded about Paul's life, whether it's in the book of Acts or in the book of Galatians or any other letter that Paul wrote to the church, when I'm reminded about Paul's life, it's not really his, his character and his conduct that, that I think about. I'm always brought back to this story in Acts chapter 8. Because what we read in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, there was something else that happened before this verse. If you look at Acts chapter 7, uh, verses 57 through 60, this is the very end of Acts chapter 7. We're reminded about how Stephen responds while he's being persecuted for his faith. And it's this story that I'm reminded of. Acts chapter 7, verses 57 through 60. This is such a powerful story. It says, They put their hands over their ears, and they began shouting, They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. We know that Saul's name changes, and this this is Paul. And then listen to this. This is how Stephen responds while he's being persecuted. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed. Stephen prayed. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then verse 60 says, he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. When I think about the life of the Apostle Paul, I'm reminded about this story. Because while Paul and the other religious leaders were persecuting Stephen, Stephen was praying For his persecutors. While Paul and the other religious leaders were persecuting Stephen, Stephen was praying for his persecutors. If you go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 45, this is what Jesus says. He says, But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and in that way you will be acting as true children of your heavenly Father. Stephen was responding that day as a true child of God. 
He was responding in the way that Jesus had instructed his, his followers to respond. And this is the part that, this is just wild. This is crazy. Man, our God is so good. Listen to this. Just two chapters forward in Acts chapter 9. So in Acts 7, we see uh, Stephen being persecuted, stoned, and then killed by, by these religious leaders. And, and he prays for them. And then two chapters forward in Acts chapter 9, Jesus meets Paul right where he's at. He's on a road headed to Damascus with the sole purpose of imprisoning Christians to bring them back to Jerusalem in chains. Paul meets Jesus, or Jesus meets Paul right where he's at in the midst of his sin, in the midst of his, his hostile attitude towards Christ and the church. Jesus meets him right where he's at and changes his life. One moment, Paul has a heart of stone set out to persecute Christians and destroy the church. And in another moment, his heart of stone is replaced with a new heart. What the Old Testament calls a heart of flesh. A heart that would be receptive to God's word. Receptive to God's leading in his life. A heart that would serve the Lord and advance the gospel at all costs. You see, while Stephen was being persecuted, he prayed for Paul. And I believe that God heard Stephen's prayer. And he intervened in Paul's life. And it's here that I'm reminded that God can forgive any person's past. Amen? God can forgive any person's past. I don't know about you, but when I hear stories like this, um, I, I think about friends of mine, old friends of mine, that are currently living outside of a relationship with Jesus. And I have to be honest with you, I tend to get pretty discouraged. It, it causes me to think about maybe giving up hope. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who's been hostile towards Christ and the church. Or maybe you know someone who was burned by the church at some point, and now they don't want anything to do with Jesus. They don't want anything to do with the church. We should remember Stephen's response. When others are turned off and indifferent to Christ and the church, our response as followers of Jesus should be prayer. When others are turned off and indifferent to Christ and the church, our response should be to pray for them because, again, church, no person is too far gone. No person is so outside of a relationship with Jesus that there's no hope. There is hope. Regardless of what we've gone through in our lives, regardless of what others have gone through in the past, God can forgive any past. In the book of John, chapter 1, verse 9, we read these words, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I'm reminded today that God can forgive our past. The second point that I want to talk about this morning is this, that God can not only forgive our past and, and does, but God can use our past for his purpose. God can use our past for his purpose. At Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, here Paul's talking to the churches in Galatia. He says, Even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me, that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. 
So at this point in time, when Paul's writing to the church, he's already an apostle of Jesus. He's already a follower of Jesus. Paul was chosen by God to be sent out for a specific purpose, a specific reason. And Paul's purpose, we talked last week how we're going to learn about what that is. God's word tells us that Paul's purpose was to preach the gospel, the good news, to the Gentiles. We'll learn a little bit later on in this series that the apostle Peter um, his purpose was to preach the good news to the Jews. And Paul's, pur- uh, Paul's purpose is to preach to the Gentiles. Now, a Gentile would include anyone who's not Jewish and who didn't have God's written word, the Old Testament, at the time. So God chose Paul not just to save him, but also to use him to win others to Jesus. And I hope that it's here that we start to connect the dots for this overall theme today. See, Paul's original mission in life was to stop the spread of the gospel at all costs. And now, because of God's grace, because of God's forgiveness, he's an ambassador for Jesus, and he couldn't help but spread the very message that he had set out to destroy. Uh, Paul's life before Jesus looked one way, and Paul's life after meeting Christ looks a different way. This reminds me of a story, a true story that's been passed down for many years now. Um, This story is about 19th century English preacher, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And the story is told, now I I take this maybe a little bit with a grain of salt, because you know the game where you whisper in someone's ear, and then they have to tell somebody else, and then by the time it gets to the end, it sounds a little different. I hope this story's been preserved, and I'm going I'm to tell you guys uh, the story, how it stands today. But this is, when, when, when Charles Spurgeon was young in ministry, when he was a young preacher, uh, his dad, a guy named Reverend John Spurgeon, encouraged him to go to college. His family encouraged him to go to college for the sole purpose that he would grow in prominence. His family wanted him to go to college because they wanted him uh, to be honored and and well-received by everybody else in uh, society. They wanted him to reach a level of importance and stature to everybody else. It was all about prominence. So the family made the arrangement for Charles Spurgeon to meet with a guy named uh, Dr. Joseph Angus. He was the principal of Stepney College in London at the time. So Charles showed up to the arranged meeting on time, and the story is said that he waited for over two hours, but Dr. Angus never showed up. He waited for him, and Dr. Angus never showed up. And when Charles finally asked about Dr. Angus, he learned that he'd actually been waiting in another location the entire time. Has that ever happened to anybody? You're supposed to meet someone somewhere, and they're waiting in a different location, and you know, you're here, and you just never connect. So Uh, Dr. Angus waited long enough, but he had another scheduled appointment, so he had to leave. Charles never got to meet with him. The story goes that he was extremely disappointed, not so much so because he wanted to meet with, with this guy, but because he knew the disappointment that he would see on his dad's face and on the face of his family members. So he left the meeting, and he, Charles was on his way to a preaching engagement. And it's while he was on his way um, that it's recorded that he, he heard a very loud voice remind him about a verse in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 45, verse 5. And this is the verse that's been shared uh, through a few generations. This verse says, Are you seeking great things for yourself? Don't do it. I will bring great disaster upon all these people, but I will give you your life as a reward wherever you go. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
And so from that moment on, Charles decided to do God's will for God's glory and for the good of others. And we know that God blessed his life in an incredible way. I mean, over the years, the stories of people coming to know the Lord because of the sermons that Charles Spurgeon preached, the messages that have been passed down that people still use today, the books that have been written. And this reminds me, it takes me back to the Apostle Paul's life. You see, before Paul knew Jesus, his life was about growing in prominence. It was all about himself. His plan for his own life was to be a a well-respected Jewish leader. He wanted to be known for persecuting Christians. He wanted to grow in popularity. He wanted people to know him. But later in life, after knowing Christ, when Paul reviewed his early life, his his character and his conduct, it, it could be summed up in that way. But after meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, he now viewed himself as a believer. And Paul had a, was given a new life. He was given a new mission. You see, when we examine our past, as rough as it may have been, and we combine that with our new life in Christ, we too are given a new mission. Let me say that again this morning. When we examine our past, as rough as it may have been, and we combine that with our new life in Christ, we too are given a new mission. The Bible says that in Christ, the old has gone and the new has come. We're a new creation in Christ. As a new creation, God can use even our broken past for his glory and for the good of others. See, your story this morning, and everybody has a story, Your story, whatever it may be, can be used to help another person know Jesus. God can use our past, even even, even a broken past, for his purpose. And that's what I love about how Paul is, is sharing with the church in this letter. And that leads us to the third and final point, and this will really help tie things together. Number three is that we are freed for a reason. We are freed for a reason. Uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 21 through 24, we read these words. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia. So this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church. He said, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. (laughs) These last two verses, they just get me. This is what Paul was known for. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith that he tried to destroy And they praised God because of me. So they knew Paul's past. They knew what he'd done. They knew what he was about. Yet, they praised the Lord because of him. See, when God saves a person, all of their story can be used to help point another person to Jesus. All of your story. The good, the bad, the ugly. All of it. And Paul shares his past with this church so that others could see Jesus in the present. He never stopped sharing his past. That's something you're going to notice about Paul all throughout the New Testament. He didn't run from his past. He didn't bury his past. He used his past as an example of who Jesus is and what he can do in the life of a person. He used even his broken past so that others could see Jesus in the present. And like Paul... I believe that we too can share our past so that others can see Jesus in the present. 
like Paul, you and I, we, can, we have a past. We have a, a story. We can share our story in its entirety to help another person see Jesus. Just because you lived one way in the past doesn't mean that you can't share truth today. Let me say that again because I, I, I believe that as a culture, we feel like, well, if I've participated in something or if I've done something and I know it's wrong, then I don't really have a place to speak into someone else's life if they're doing something wrong as well. That's baloney. Just because you've messed up in the past doesn't mean that you can't speak truth into the life of another person today. God can use even our past to show people who Jesus is. And for me, it's crazy to realize that despite our past mistakes, God can still do great things in us and through us. See, Paul didn't just reject the message of Jesus. That would be bad enough, right? He, He also persecuted Christians. He set out to destroy the church. And what, Paul, what God did, God was able to take Paul's zeal for legalism, for tradition, for religion, and redefine it, repurpose it, and use it for God's kingdom. God can take our shortcomings and redefine it, and repurpose it, refocus it for his kingdom. God freed Paul from his past, and he turned him into the man who would do incredible things for God's kingdom. And I truly believe this morning, and this is what God's put on my heart this week, is that God is able to free us from our past so that we can be used for God's greater purpose. He can use our whole story to do that. See, Paul was saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus for a specific purpose, and that purpose was to proclaim the message of Jesus to the entire world. I believe today that God has a specific purpose for your life as well. I truly believe that. And part of that purpose, part of that general calling, if you're in Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus, part of that general calling includes playing your part in spreading the gospel, spreading the good news to those who need Jesus. If you know Jesus today, God is calling you to get serious about this mission, serious about sharing the gospel with others. As Christians, we're called by God to carry this message of hope to a hurting and dying world. Can you imagine the church who's been set apart and called by God just sitting in a, in a pew or a chair on Sunday morning, just hearing a message about hope, just hearing a message about grace, just hearing a message about Jesus, and then going our separate ways and never sharing that good news with someone else. I mean, how much do you have to hate another person to not share the gospel with them? How much do you have to hate another person to know that we're either going to spend eternity in the presence of God or eternity separate from God? How much do we have to hate people to not share the gospel with them? Paul advanced the gospel. Nothing was going to stop this for him. Because he experienced Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. And he knew that God called him to love God and to love people. When God changes a life and that life falls in love with Jesus, the natural response should be to tell other people about him. That's the natural response. And we don't share Jesus out of obligation. 
It's not that legalism and that, that tradition. We don't just say, hey, you have to share Jesus just because. We share Jesus with others as individuals because we know that he loves us and he's changed our lives. And I've learned in my 31 years of existence that love is a much more powerful motivator than guilt could ever be. We share Jesus with others because we love Jesus. And we love Jesus because he first loved us. Psalm 139, verse 16, we read these words. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. The Apostle Paul is, is addressing in Galatians the, the false teaching that had taken root in the church and reminding these believers about the true gospel of grace. And in doing so, he shares a little bit of his own story to remind us that it's not about living under the law and just following a set of rules. It's not about legalism. It's not about tradition. It's about Jesus. It's about understanding what Christ has accomplished on the cross for you and for me. It's about receiving God's free gift of grace and forgiveness through faith in Jesus. And it's about allowing God to use all of our story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, so that we can help point others to Jesus. Today, family, we can be reminded through Paul's story, that God can forgive our past. He can forgive any past, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been. There is forgiveness in Jesus, amen? We're also reminded that God can use our past for his purpose. When God redeems someone of their past, saves them from their past, we don't just blot it out. I think we learn from the Apostle Paul, and we include that in, in our life story. We share that with others when it's appropriate. We help them see what Jesus is able to do in a life. And then finally, we're freed for a reason. We don't just believe in Jesus and then come to church and just go through the motions. You and I are freed from, from sin, freed from the law. We're going we're gonna to talk about that next week so that we can serve Jesus with our lives, so that we can help point others to Christ. That's part of that general calling that God has given every person, every follower of Christ. I want to close by saying this, that I don't believe that any person here today is an accident. I don't believe that you're an accident. I don't believe that your life is an accident. You were created in the image of God to know Jesus and to be an ambassador for Jesus, someone who shares the good news of God's grace and forgiveness with others. We are freed for a reason. And that's a great reason.